Well, as I was trying to, trying to determine what to, to speak on this week, I came to the conclusion I would speak on Jesus being born to die. And I'd like to go ahead and start off by, let's go on over to 1 John 1, 6-7. We'll draw our attention to the words here where he states, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. The reason I thought I would go with this topic today is, is because on a day like today when so many people are focusing on the physical birth of Jesus Christ, I think it is only right that we go back and we focus on His death. As a matter of fact, just as we were having the Lord's Supper, we mentioned we do this in remembrance of Him. I would say that the majority of us here appreciate and realize the value in the blood of Jesus Christ. Because without it, as we begin to move towards eternity, really every single one of us is helpless without that blood. I'm going to go on over to Matthew 16, 16. The Apostle Peter here, he makes this declaration about Jesus where he says, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. I wish every single person that was around us today would come to this conclusion. And as we stay here within the context, we know that prophecy was pointing towards what Matthew records there in verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto His disciples how that He must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Now, as we go back to the words of Peter, Peter was struggling with this because Peter, in his mind, couldn't really understand how this could be true. And he says in verse 22, Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, that this shall not be unto thee. And here's the problem. Peter didn't understand that Jesus was born to die. Peter didn't understand that, that nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ was going to save anyone. And that meant he had to die. From the very beginning, Jesus was born to die. Now let's focus in on the blood for just a minute. There's a song that we sing quite often, Nothing But the Blood. Uh, and most of us here are very familiar with it. And one of the lines within that song is, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Well, the Scriptures teach that is true. Now for those of us that are familiar with the Scriptures, we understand Jesus was born to die. We needed that blood. Now again, I want you to notice what Paul was told in Acts twenty-two sixteen, And most of us are familiar with the account of how he saw the risen Lord there on the road to Damascus and how he went. And he was struggling with this for time. And there in Acts twenty-two sixteen, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized. Notice this. And wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Well, Later, we will find Paul, the same one who this was told to, who then writes to the church in Corinth. And notice what he says in 1 Corinthians 6, 11. He says, And such were some of you, but ye are washed. Now, that right there, guys, if we go back to Acts twenty two sixteen, it's the same washing away that takes away sins that he's referring to. He says, But ye are sanctified. What's he referring to? Again, go back to Acts twenty two sixteen. When they washed away their sins, there was that process of sanctification. He goes on, ye are justified. How did that happen? Well, when they obeyed the gospel and their sins were washed away, and then they continue to be faithful. He says, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. 
we needed the blood and we have to contact the blood. Now there's another line in that song. Most of you will remember this one. Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's true also. Matter of fact, listen to Romans 5.10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. None of us here were reconciled back to God by the birth of Christ, although He did have to be born in order that He could die. It was that process there that allowed this reconciliation. That word, the word reconciliation is atonement. We are reconciled back to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, in other words, we are brought back into this position of what we might call friendship, or you could maybe use the word justification or some other words. But the only way that that could ever happen was by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going to go over to Ephesians chapter 1. Paul, in verse 7 there, says, "...in whom we have redemption," notice this, "...through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace." Jesus was born to die, and that's because redemption was through His blood. Paul says in Ephesians 2.13, "...but now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ." Jesus was born to die so that we could be made near to Him through the blood of Christ. Notice what Paul tells the church uh, there where the Colossians meet, Colossians 1.20, "...and having made peace through the blood of His cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him, I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven." Again, we had to have the blood of the cross. Hebrews 9.14, Hebrews writer says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Now, I just gave you a bunch of verses right in a row. And guess what could do all that? Nothing but the blood of Christ could do that. And again, if I go back to that song, notice what it says, What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now, I'm going to go on over to 1 John 2, 2, and notice this. this. This song really hits it in so many points, and I think we sing it time and time again, and we really don't notice it. In 1 John 2, 2, And He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. In other words, what we are learning is, is Jesus has universal cleansing power. Right? It's for everybody who will come to Christ through obedience. Was He born? Absolutely. But He was born with a mission and with a purpose, and that was to die. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 26, 28. He says, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. There is a universal problem, and the blood had to be shed for that universal problem. The universal problem we're all familiar with over in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, as we just learned earlier, the only way to have remission of sins is through His blood. Again, Jesus was born, but He was born to die. Now, here's the question. What exactly is the cure for that broken trust that we have with God when we violate His commands? Well, again... The answer is, is nothing but the blood of Jesus. From the very beginning, Jesus was born to die. Now, let me focus on something else for just a second. We've already talked about the universal problem. 
And although man does choose to sin, which is a universal problem, man was not created that way. We were created sinless. There was a sinless and pure God who created man ultimately from their very beginning as sinless and pure. And then man, through his own determination, determines that he will choose to sin. But we don't start life that way. We start life innocent. Listen to Ezekiel 28.15. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created. Notice this. Till iniquity or sin was found in thee. I know most people today teach that you're totally depraved from the day you're born, but that's not what the Scriptures teach. We are pure and innocent until that time at which you then find sin within us. That's when we determine that we will begin to sin. But the point is simply this, is that God did create us blameless. We were pure. And again, the problem was never with the commands of God, but the problem has always been with man. Let me go on over to Ezekiel 18. We're going to look at verses 19 through 22. The majority of you here are familiar with this passage. And here we see free will being described when man chooses to do right or chooses to do wrong. Ezekiel 18, 19 through 21. Yet say ye, why doth not the Son bear the iniquity of the Father? Or why am I not responsible for what my Father does? When the Son hath done that which is lawful and right, and hath kept all my statutes, and hath done them, he shall surely live. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The Son shall not bear the iniquity of the Father, neither shall the Father bear the iniquity of the Son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed, and keep all my statutes, and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. All his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him, in his righteousness that he hath done, he shall live. The goal of man is to be pure. And from the very beginning, we were. God didn't create us as, as robots walking around. He didn't create us as depraved beings, as most people say. He wants each of us individually to choose to submit ourselves to Him. And if you take this to a closer level and think about this on the level of, of us as parents, for those of us who have children, you know, when, when we send our children out into the world, we put our trust into them. We, we do the best we can to teach them and to bring them up, and yes, we do make mistakes and we fall short, but when we send them out into the world, we expect them to, to do right, to do their best. Sometimes they mess up, though, don't they? But ask yourself this question as we, we think about that for just a second. I would say the majority of parents here would probably give blood for their kids, right? I mean, how many of you as a parent would shed your blood for your child? Let that sink in for just a second, because that's exactly what God did. He gave His blood on our behalf. Again, we were created, we were created pure. We were created um, intrinsically good. And yet, even though we have failed Him, He's never failed us. And from the very beginning, He knew that there would be a problem with man. And He knew what man would do. And so He made a way for us to have our sins permanently forgiven. And yes, Jesus was born, but He was born to die. Listen to Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God literally knew in advance. <laughs> He's all-knowing. And He had a plan, and the plan was for Jesus to come and to be born. 
and ultimately for Jesus to shed His blood on the cross for you and for me. Listen to Revelation 1.5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto Him that loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. Yeah, He was born. He was born to die. He was born to shed His blood on our behalf. Peter says this in 1 Peter 1.19, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So many people today are gathered together and they are celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ and they do not realize that He was born, but He was born to die. He was born to shed His blood and to die for each of us. There was a covenant and the covenant was a covenant of blood. I'm going to go over to Hebrews 13. And notice what the Hebrews writer here says. I'll read down to, uh, or I'll read verses 20 and 21. Hebrews 13, 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Notice there that he makes it very clear there is this everlasting covenant. But we learn something more as we talk about this covenant of blood over in Hebrews 12, 24. Again, it says there that Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than of Abel. Now, have you ever wondered what was the better things than of Abel? What was so much better about this new covenant written in blood that was so much better than the old covenant? Now again, as I mentioned, there was nothing ever wrong with the old covenant. The problem was never with the law of God. The problem was always with man. The problem was man didn't have a way to rectify this situation of sin. The blood of the covenant is the blood of an agreement between each of us and God. And that agreement says that Jesus was going to come to this world. He would live a sinless life. He would suffer everything that we have suffered and more. And He would give His blood in order to cleanse each of our sins. If we, this is a big if, if we in return love Him and keep His commandments. Now there's a whole lot of loving that's taking place in this, in this everlasting covenant that we're talking about. And yes, He was born, but nothing but the blood could bring this covenant into force. And so, yes, Jesus was born, but He was born to die, and it was because there was a new covenant that would come into place. Again, notice He's the mediator of a better covenant. Most of us could go back and we could spend some time talking about in the Old Testament about the necessity of the blood. We know that blood played a key role. From the time of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, we know that blood sacrifices were required. We read it all throughout our, our Old Testament. But notice Hebrews 9, 13 and 14. For if the blood of bulls and goats and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. I want you to remember that word purify there. Okay, that's what was taking place with the blood of bulls and goats. He then makes this distinction in verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience... Let me pause for a second. That word purifying in verse 13 and the word purge right there, those are the same base word, but they're different. He says, without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works 
to serve the living God. Those both are the same base words, but what we're having pointed out to us is vastly different. The word purifying there in verse, uh, or pure purge there, sorry, in verse 14, means a ceremonial washing which makes something or someone acceptable, right? It's different in verse 14 than what we find in 13. 13, that word purifying is making someone acceptable. The word purge there in verse 14 is making someone acceptable. But that base word is different in both accounts, and here's why. It took the blood of Christ. Again, Hebrews 10.4 says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. That could never do what a sinless Messiah could do. And so when you look there at the word purifying, there in verse uh, 13, the word purifying, vastly different than the word purge. The word purge in verse 14 uh, gives the idea of not just making someone acceptable, it literally means, I make clean. That is totally different than verse 13. Okay, The word there in verse 14, to purge, means to be completely clean. Totally different than what the blood of bulls and goats could do. And yes, the blood of bulls and goats could go back and it could atone for sins, but it couldn't bring us back to this original condition that we, we have described for us as in back in Ezekiel 28.15. Remember, I read earlier, Ezekiel 28.15 says, Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created. Well, then man sinned. And the blood of bulls and goats could atone for those sins and atone and atone and atone year after year, but it never could take them away and put me back to the way I was when I was first born. But Jesus was born to die, and His blood would, his blood would purge, totally removing. I'm making completely clean, and that was to put me back in the condition of which I was when I was first born. And I can stay in that condition. When I, when I sin and, and fail to live up to the standard of God, I can again continue to repent and turn from that, and the blood of Christ continues to cleanse me. Really, the word there used is to purge me. So again, yes, Christ was born, but Christ was born to die, and that was so that His blood could purge my sins, continuously purge my sins. Not only that, He was born to die for the church. Let's talk about the church of God, which is the church of Christ. I'm going to go over to Acts 20, 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers, he's talking to the elders there, to feed the church of God, which He hath purchased with His own blood. There is no doubt that the church was purchased with blood. That church of God described there is the same church we find described in Romans 16, 16. Salute one another with an holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. We don't have denominational groups going on here. What we have is... Christ, who was God in the flesh. Uh, and so the church of Christ is the church of God. They are the one, one and same, the, the one and only, the same institution. God, through Christ, has purchased the called out assembly. That's what the word uh, ecclesia there is, the called out ones. That's the church. And he purchased it with his blood. But the church, let's take it now to a more local level, the church is made up of us as individuals. Listen to 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now ye, that's us individually, 
We are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now let's let this sink in for a second. He purchases the church with his blood and we individually make up that church. Every one of us purchased with that blood. 1 Corinthians 6.20 really hits home when he says, For ye are bought with a price. What was the price? Blood. Blood. Every single one of us. Blood. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let's ask a question here. How much of the blood that Jesus shed do you think went towards the purchase of the church? It's a pretty easy question to answer, though, isn't it? Every single bit of blood went into purchasing the church. And so then God, through Christ, has made an extremely large investment for the body of which each of us individually are members of. God invested 100% of Christ's blood in us individually. And think about that and let that sink in for just a second. Nothing but the blood but all of it, on behalf of the church. And what exactly do we get out of the investment? Well, the answer is the forgiveness of our sins and the promise of an eternal life in heaven. That's it. That's what we get out of it. Notice what Jesus says in Matthew 26, 28. Again, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. There's a whole lot of verses that would go in between the remission of sins and finally getting to heaven. But Hebrews 10.19 says, "...having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus." That holy place he's talking about right there is heaven. And this is only possible because of the forgiveness of our sins and His promise of eternal life in heaven for those of us who are faithful. Now let me talk about the benefits of the blood for just a second. The majority of us here have a great understanding about the benefits of the blood and even how to access it, but that's a question many might be asking if they're watching this online. I hope today, how do we receive the benefits? Well, we receive them through the church because if you recall, I just spent a whole bunch of time talking about how His blood was invested in the church, of which we are individually members. And so if you want to receive the, the blessings from the blood, then you have to be where He invested the blood. That's within the body of Christ. You have to be in the church. You have to be involved within the church. Not enough to just say, hey, I'm a Christian, and then walk away from it. You need to be where the blood was shed, shed and what it was shed for. It can do a number of wonderful things, and we know that it does for each of us here who are Christians, uh, but it's totally invested in the church. And so you have to be where the blood is. You have to be invested where He invested His blood. You have to be involved where His blood is involved. How can you receive the benefits of the blood of Christ if you're not involved within the church of Christ? There's just one church, and I already told you, the church of God is the church of Christ. I don't care what name you use. In the first century, there was just one church. And you can know that church today because it looks identical today as it did within our Scriptures. Notice what Paul says over in Galatians 3.27. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now here's, here's a valid question. I want you guys to think about this for just a second. What if the day that you got baptized was the only day that you put on Christ? 
and I'm not suggesting, yes, we all go out and get baptized every single day. What I'm saying is, is this. Do you wear Christ every day? We're to put Him on in baptism, but we're to keep Him on. We put Him on every day. Just, you know, every morning when I get up, it's a routine. I walk into the bathroom, I open, I'm not telling you what drawer it is, so nobody knows, but I open up the drawer and I grab my wallet and my pocket knife and my pocket knife and my keys and my thumb drive so I can work on my sermon at lunch, and it's my routine. At any time, I don't look for my keys normally because they're in the drawer, right? But that's my routine. When you guys get up, and I, I can do it in my sleep if I have to, right? What routine do you guys have when you get ready in the morning? Part of our routine should be putting on Christ. Christ came and He lived here. He was born and He lived here, but why? To die. To die and to shed His blood so that I could put Him on in baptism and be cleansed through that process and continue to be cleansed as I live faithful to Him. And when I fall short again, go back and repent of it, and I've continued to be cleansed by that blood. But we have to put Him on every day. And guys, if you're not a Christian, if you're watching this online, if you're here and you're not a Christian, His blood can't do you any good. If you're here and you're not a Christian, you can become a Christian today by believing in Jesus Christ. I'm going to go back to Peter, Matthew 16, 16. Notice again what Peter understood. Now, he had a problem with the idea that Jesus was going to die. He just didn't realize at the time. He, he said, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you're not a Christian, that's the point you need to get to. An understanding that Jesus, He came and He was born, but He was so much more than just a, a baby laying in a manger. And that's what everybody's... Almost everybody's gathering today to talk about the baby in the manger. He was the prophesied Messiah. He was born that he could die. Peter came to this understanding. It's the same understanding that everyone needs to come to before they become a Christian. And then, based on that, they need to do away with all the things contrary to God's Word so that they can follow after His will. Ultimately, that's what we would call repentance. To do away with sin and to follow the will of God because Jesus was born to die. And I have an understanding of why He shed His blood. Guys, that's repentance. Again, Luke 13, 3, I tell you, nay, except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And then you have to be willing to confess your faith in Him, and you've got to be willing to be buried with Him in baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Let me go over to Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Most of you are familiar with these last couple passages. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven, but whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. And we can go and look at the account with the Ethiopian eunuch where we see he gives the good confession. It's interesting that Paul there on the road to Damascus, as I pointed to earlier, he came to an understanding that, yes, this was the Messiah. Yep, he was born, and he was born to die. And he came to an understanding, and notice what he was told when he came to this understanding. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Jesus says this in Mark 16, 15 and 16. And He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. There is no preaching or acceptance of the gospel without the uh, preaching of baptism and talking about how you're baptized in order to contact the blood. It's the blood that cleanses, 1 Peter 
Guys, these are all the documented acts. I cover them every week when we gather together to worship. That's how a person became a Christian in the first century. That's how a person becomes a Christian still yet today. That is how you come into contact with the blood of Christ. And then you need to be faithful every day. As I said, putting on Christ and wearing Him every day. And so as you get up and you get, you get ready in the morning and you get dressed, you need to put on Christ and be faithful. Listen to 2 Timothy 4, 7-8. through 8. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love His appearing. If you have an understanding about why Jesus was born and that He had to die, if you're not a Christian yet, you need to have heard the gospel and believe it. You need to repent of your sins, confess Christ, and be immersed in water so that you can be added to the church and to come in contact with the blood. Yes, Christ's birth was one of the most historical and important events that ever occurred. But if not for His death and His shed blood, none of us would have a hope of eternity in heaven. And so today, while many are focusing on the fact that Jesus was born, I want to focus on the fact that He was born to die and guys, that's what we were remembering as we partook in the Lord's Supper. As I draw this to a close, if there's any way that we can assist you, you can come forward as we're led in the song of invitation.